ready. Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Mega Man Radio. We got a little late start here. Man, I'll tell you, backlash is real. The devil is not happy today, but I bind him in the name of Jesus. We're going to get this program going. Let me get Benjamin on the line. Benjamin, are you with me? I am here. Brother, I've Can got some me? attacks. Uh, yeah, I've got some attacks going on at this end, so I may get kicked off the network again, but uh, the program is now live, and uh, we've got another hour and 50 minutes to go. So uh, the microphone is yours, brother, for this show. Well, and uh, please uh, join in. Um, you know, and I definitely would desire and uh, look for your your input today. And I Praise know God. what you mean. The enemy is, um, you know, there's definitely a spiritual war that's going on, um, and the enemy resists the word of truth and resists. You know, everything that is truly of the kingdom of God, the enemy fights against it. And, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've seen some serious warfare in the last week as well. And, you know, people are getting hurt, too. I mean, it's not just, well, the car didn't start. You know, it's not the inconvenient kind of events. Somebody gave me a door ding. You know, those trials we used to have when we were young. But it's, you know, people are dying. And um, people are really being hurt. And this is a very somber, serious hour. Brother well, Benjamin, Shannon, uh, why don't we start the program out in prayer? Would you like to pray yeah. and then also uh, give amen. people some contact information? Um, amen. Let's pray. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare that your word is true. We know your word is true. It's been lifted up above the earth, Lord. You honor your word. You watch over your word. You preserve your word. And your word is alive. 
Your word is full of life. And your words will never pass away. They are true every day. They're true in every way. And Lord, we desire to study your word today. We've gathered to search the scripture and to look into your words, Lord, because we know therein is the the gift of life. There's life in the words of the God of Israel. There's life in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And when, Lord, we come desiring life and salvation and healing, we pray, Lord, you would put your hand on this time. You would put your hand on every person that's listening. You would put your hand upon Brother Shannon and upon me. Lord, that we would bring forth your word, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Rima word, the Spirit-breathed word of truth and of life for the breaking of the yoke of the enemy. Would you pour out your anointing to break the yokes of darkness, Lord, to set your people free. Lord, your word is the truth. Let us hear your truth today. For we look to you, Father, we ask for living manna. We ask for the living water that only you can bring. And for the living manna, which is the life and the power and the body of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we bring this time before you, Father. We dedicate it to you, Lord. We seek your will. We seek your word. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's been quite a week, Brother Shannon. It's been quite a week. You know, I've been reflecting. We've gotten a lot of email from listeners, and, you know, it's been encouraging because people are hearing. People are hearing. People are responding. You know, there's hearts that are turning. People are fasting. People are praying. People are crying out. And hell has taken notice, and and I, I have caught some serious backlash myself this week. And um, you know we're going to press on, but I would just ask the saints that are listening. You know, if you're being blessed by the word that's coming forth, remember Brother Shannon. Remember me in your prayers. We do need prayer covering because you know the enemy would love to stop. We would love to stop any word that's coming forth that's bringing life and that's bringing deliverance. So we definitely need your prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what a week it's been, huh, Shannon? We were, uh, things are happening so fast. Well, now it's Bahrain. I, I saw a news report and you know, my computer, um, my computer's crashed, um, uh, you know, about five, six days ago, I just got back up online. My computer's crashed. I've had a number of things, you know, talk about backlash, share a little bit of it later in the show. Um, but I have caught a little bit of the news, and I guess um, military gunships were firing on civilian crowds in Bahrain. Shannon, were you aware of it? Have you been catching that in the news? No, I, uh, Benjamin, I hadn't caught that part. I knew... Um that Libya was protesting, or or rather, <laughs> uh, Muammar Gaddafi was trying to show that the people were in solidarity with him, and that was a scam. Mm. And, uh, you know, people were, were nervous that uh, 
some of these other governments might start toppling after uh, Egypt just went down with Mubarak. But no, I hadn't caught that. So they actually brought out the gunships, and they didn't even wait. They just started pulling the trigger, huh? Uh, apparently, yeah. There was uh, 20-some uh, people that were um, killed. Yeah, the uh, the headline was Bahrain troops open fire on demonstrators, and of course that's where the I guess it's the Fifth Fleet, the U.S. a major U.S. naval base um, there in uh, Bahrain. Libyan protesters destroyed a monument to Gaddafi. Clashes erupting in Jordan, Algeria, even Baghdad. Syria, Albania, Armenian protests, Iran protests, Morocco protests. This wave of revolution is just getting going. I mean, we're, we're just in February. Um, for the listeners that have heard the previous shows, we talked about how this was being directed. You know, there's an angel riding in the whirlwind of this storm that's, that's sweeping across the Middle East, and the angel is directing this storm. And it is a storm to overthrow the regimes that are pro-American. There, there is a design to these uprisings and to this, this spirit of revolution. And they paint the picture, Shannon, that it's democracy. Really, demon crazy would be more accurate. And, and um, you know, democracy such a... And it's such a misunderstood term because, you know, democracy does not bring freedom. Contrary to the propaganda of this generation, democracy has never brought freedom. Liberty brings democracy, but democracy doesn't bring liberty. You know, democracy existed in Adolf Hitler's Germany. People voted. It was a democratic election, and they did not end in freedom. The democracy brought to power fascism and tyranny, and and it was the freedom was lost. And um, across the Middle East, this supposed democracy that's now this revolutionary wave, it's not going to bring freedom. It's not going to bring. Anything other than tyranny, and the form will be Islamic tyranny. I was reading an article, uh, some news pieces about uh, life in uh, under Islamic rule. Um, apparently there was a fire in a girls' school in Saudi Arabia a while back, and there were several dozen teenage girls that were trapped inside the burning building. They were trying to escape. Uh, at the same time, the fire department had showed up, and they were trying to put out fire, but the religious police were also in attendance. And it turns out the girls were not dressed properly to appear in public. So the religious police beat these girls back into the burning building because they were not dressed properly under Sharia law to come outside. And they died. Now, this is Islam. This is this kingdom of the cursed ones. 
It's simply unbelievable. Another uh, judicial ruling in an Islamic country, a, a woman was uh, raped. She was guilty of accepting a ride from a man who, instead of taking her home, took her to another destination where she was brutally beaten and gang-raped by four or five men. When she reported the crime, she was arrested, charged with being an accomplice to fornication under Sharia law. She was found guilty by her own testimony. She was sentenced to uh, lashings, and apparently they ordered too many lashings because she was beaten so severely with the whip that she died from the loss of blood. This is that pale horse that's riding. You know, this is simply unbelievable. This is what's happening in the world today. Now, Shannon, I was thinking this morning, you know, as I was just reflecting on the suffering that's going on in the world, you know, that we are witnesses of through our television sets, and we're, we are witnesses of the suffering through the, the media, because we get the news stories, and we get the information, but, you know, we don't have to touch it. We don't have to smell it. We don't have to see it up close. And it's not yet real to us. It's just an abstraction. And, uh, you know, this morning I was thinking back to what's been going on in India with the, um, the global corporations, Monsanto, and these global food corporations that are designing new hybrid seeds, genetically modified seeds, you know, promising prosperity to the farmers. And throughout India, in the last couple of years, there was a big push to push the local farmer to genetically modified seeds. And big advertising blitz that this would be a, you know, seed that would be um, impervious to insect damage. And so, you know, the harvest would be more profitable than ever. And so local farmers, by the tens of thousands, we're talking, in, you know, relatively poor farmers that, that are farming a few acres of land that has been land in the fam- owned by their family for generations, they were... Counseled, they were uh, you know pushed into borrowing money from the global banking system in order to buy seed from the global food companies with the promise of prosperity and a great bountiful harvest. But apparently the seed didn't work, and the harvest was a catastrophe. Tens of thousands of small family farmers ended the year in the last 12 months destitute. Now in debt, they faced the loss of their little plot of land, which was the sole source of livelihood for their families. And 
I don't understand it, Shannon, but within their culture, the men that have that lost their, you know, that they lost the money, now the family's in debt, they've been shamed culturally. So I'm reading stories in my Internet, you know. I don't have to smell it. I don't have to touch it. It's not up close to me yet. But I read the stories that these little in indigenous farmers don't know what to do. Their livelihood is destroyed. The family now is ruined financially. They're facing foreclosure of their land. They're facing total poverty. And they don't have food stamps in India like we do. You know, They're looking at starvation. They're shamed. They cannot face their, their families, their wives, their children. And thousands of these farmers are making the decision to drink insecticide poison as the only way to commit suicide that's available to them. And when they drink the insecticide, Shannon, it makes them violently ill. And they they lay, they fall on the ground and they lay and, and they, you their families listen to them moan. They begin to foam at the mouth. They go into spasms. And then they get to the point of paralysis. They stop breathing and they die. Tens of thousands. Taking insecticide, herbicide poison they've been ruined by the global corporation they've been shamed they choose a violent horrible death and they enter a Christless eternity and what are we doing about this what are we doing we read an article you know Download a news piece on the internet, you know. Can't read that. It's too upsetting. So we just, we click on the X, right? Just delete it. Forget about it. Let it pass, you know. I read that story. It just troubled me. I can't forget about it. You know. Maybe I've been fasting and praying too much. But I'm asking myself, what are we doing? You know, what can... We've got to do something. The, the body of Christ, the true body of Christ. I'm not talking about that church in Shinar. I mean, we all know they're just, they're not really of the Lord, you know. They're just another form of the serpent. That's just another deception from hell. But the true believers, what are we doing for a world that is dying around us? You know? I saw um, I saw injury up close and personal in my life this week. I saw death. I saw death in the in the last week or two, up close and personal. And I couldn't just click on the X. No, couldn't click the X. You know, I um, 
I used to be part of a small uh, home fellowship. And these are good people. The guys that are leading it are just, they're blessed brothers. They love the Lord. And, and um, But, you know, they're kind of of the charismatic mind. You know, they're from, they're from the charismatic side. They're still kind of into that prophetic, you know, where everybody gets together and, you know, a lot of prophecy, you know. A lot of... Uh, Wonderful words, you know. All is well kind of prophecies, you know. They don't really like to let me have the microphone. Because <laughs> I don't really have... I never hear too much from the Lord about how all is well and, you know, that God's got balloons around everybody and stuff, you know. I'm getting a different word out of the Spirit these days. But these guys, you know, as much as they love the Lord, they've got a real positive... No, they're real open to, to edifying prophecy, they call it. There was a, um, a sister in this congregation, and this girl loved the Lord. And I mean, she really, this woman was dedicated to serving God. And she came down with, uh, with some kind of um, abdominal cancer about a year ago. And... She did not want chemotherapy. She did not want conventional medical treatment. And she decided she was going to fast and pray and seek the Lord. And, you know, and so she called on her brothers and sisters, and she was part of this small home fellowship in Southern California that I'm also, you know, I was part of when I lived in that area, and I've stayed close to these people since then. And she goes to the fellowship. And I'll tell you, these people were diligent in praying for her they began to pray you know they had a meeting every Wednesday night Shannon and they really began to press in and pray and a number of these people at this fellowship that were part of this group that were praying for this woman a number of them began to come forth with these prophetic words you know God's going to heal Candace you know Candace the Lord's going to heal you and, and when this healing, you know, this healing is going to be a testimony, and God's going to use this healing to give you this great ministry. And, um, you know, these were well-intentioned people speaking what they thought were prophecies, speaking what they thought were words of truth from God. And um, as Candace, her condition got worse, uh, she started to have to go to the hospital. Fluid was building up, and her kidneys were failing, and and she she needed medical therapies to remove these fluids that were very painful. And this group, not they were not deterred. They began to have their Wednesday night meeting in her hospital room. God bless these people, and praying. And I'm telling you, it was beautiful worship, and these people were devoutly praying for for this dear sister. And um, I had cause to be in um, in the area one, one Wednesday night, and so I, whenever I'm in Southern California, I love to frequent this assembly because these are beautiful believers and they, they really love the Lord, and I love to get together with them just to praise and worship. Um, so I called, and they told me they were going to meet at this hospital, they were going to spend time praying and 
and uh, worshiping and and interceding for Sister Candace. So I went to the hospital and I sat and worshipped and I prayed with them and but I also heard these words, you know, how their this great healing was going to come. I would say n- nothing. I was not going to say anything. In my spirit, I did not receive these prophecies. I did not believe they were of the Lord. I thought they were coming out of the soul of man. I thought they were coming out of the flesh. But I wasn't going to speak a word of unbelief. You know, maybe I was the one that was wrong, you know. So I said nothing. I prayed. I interceded. And I continued to pray for this dear sister. And I said nothing until I got the email a couple weeks ago. Sister Candace had died. And um, all these prophetic words died with her. People are dying. You know, I had sent an email to these guys, Shannon, that they were kind of the leaders. And I asked them, I said, has anybody fasted and prayed for this sister? And has anybody done deliverance? And I never even got a response. And I'm not trying to be critical of these men. I love these guys. You know, and I'm not bringing forth names. Um, you know, the, the gentlemen that head up this small home fellowship are some of the most beautiful, devout believers and men of God you would ever have the privilege to meet. I mean, they're wonderful, wonderful people. And yet, false prophecy crept in. And a sister died. And I'm not saying, you know, I had these false prophecies not been given. Maybe she would have, you know, not died. Uh, all I'm saying is, here's this false prophecy. People are dying, and we got false prophets. My people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge, Benjamin. Exactly. And the word didn't. The word did not study there. Destroyed means they died. She died. Now she went to heaven. Candace loves the Lord. She was a woman of God. But she died, and she died a painful death. Painful death. And, um, yeah, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. You know? We can do a lot of damage without even knowing what we're doing. You know? We can do it out of our ignorance. We can do it just blindly. You know, Shannon, um, you know, you talk about backlash, and, you know, there's definitely been, you know, my computers have crashed, you know, a number of things have happened in my life as well in the last week that I know is, you know, backlash. Because we've accomplished, I think, some good things in the kingdom on this program thus far. It's touched lives. People have been motivated to fast and pray, and, you know, it's turning people around. Praise God, yes. And, um, you know, I got in the... I got in my truck the other day and to go to town, and I started yes. my truck up, and you know, and it started a little rough. I thought, oh no, something's wrong with my truck, and, you know. And I backed it out and I pulled up in front of my house and got out and let it warm up. Went inside, and, you know. And uh, my wife says to me, "Where's?" Where's Reggie? Where's our cat Reggie? Have you seen him? No. And I look out and go, oh no, he's he's laying underneath the truck. So 
So I go outside, Shannon, and I, and I call Reggie. He doesn't come. He normally will come. I'm thinking, well, that's odd. Then I looked and I see he, it looked like he had a bloody nose. And I thought, oh, Lord, no. And so I go running over to this cat, you know, and he'd been in the engine compartment. His legs are busted. Back legs are all busted up backwards. He's got gashes all over him. He's been cut to pieces. He's sitting there crying. You know, I just started my truck, you know. I didn't think to pound on the hood, to honk the horn, you know. Caddy crawled in the engine compartment, you know, and we're off to the hospital. And they put pins in the legs and sewed tendons back on. And, I, you know, it's when I saw the damage, and this is the most lovable little creature, the damage that was done to this poor, innocent little creature, it was heartbreaking. And the cat can't stand, you know, I don't know what the level of injuries are where he's recovering. And, I mean, i got to tell you, we, first night we got him home from the hospital, he was in so much pain, I couldn't stand it. I had to intercede. I mean, I went to war in the spirit till I broke through. And, and God had mercy and touched Reggie. And just peace settled over him. And he, he stopped. You could tell the pain left his body, and he just laid down. And he just started purring, and then he just kind of fell asleep. And, you know, and, and it's just a cat. I know it's just a cat, but, you know, it's my cat. I love this little creature. He loved me. And by my negligence, I destroyed him. And that's what our sin does. But I couldn't just clip the axe, you know. I couldn't just turn away. This was... You know, I, I could see this. I have to touch this. This touched my life. Just like Candace when she died. I couldn't just click an axe and go, well, you know, another statistic. This touched me. And what's coming is going to touch us. Brothers and sisters, if you are in the remnant... He told us, pray without ceasing, that you be counted worthy to escape all these things, to stand before the Son of Man. And, the, and the, the proper interpretation, the proper translation of that Greek word, to stand before the Son of Man, really is to stand in the presence of, in the place of, as the representative of the Son of Man in this hour. You know, and, if, and that's the remnant, the ones that are counted worthy because they've washed their garments. They've changed their, the remnant of their clothing. They've put off the deeds of unrighteousness. They've done the work to diligently seek the narrow way. They're willing to cut the foreskin off their hearts. They are the ones that are counted worthy to stand. But i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you're among those that are counted worthy to stand, then you are going to be a witness to these things. And when these judgments come forth, 
and you see the death that is coming. And it's not just the wicked that are going to be dying. There's going to be multitudes of believers that are perishing as well. Now, they're not going to stay dead forever, and yes, God's faithful. They're going to be saved. God's going to honor His covenant, and He's going to He's going to bring them into His salvation. But they're going to go through a process of dying in the flesh, people. And it's not going to be pretty. And it is not going to be something that you're going to want to just, you know, you're not going to be able to click on the X on your Internet, on your monitor, you know, just to turn the page, because it's going to be up close. You're going to see it. You're going to touch this. It's going to touch your life. You're going to smell it. It's going to be real. And you're going to deal with it, even if you're among the remnant. And you're going to see when these swords come forward, when this war, when this war comes and a fourth of humanity is slain by the sword, these judgments come forth on this earth, it is going to be real. And it is going to be up close and personal. And it's going to be intense. Now i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, we need to learn the authority that we have been given in Christ Jesus so that we can do something in that hour. You know, in this last day, and we're in the last days, we're in the last hours, in these last days, there's been so much error that's come forth, Shannon. You know, I mean, you know, most of the truth has been replaced with fables. You know, most Christians, they're reading the Left Behind series, and they're reading these New Age Bible translations, you know, the NIV and the rest of this nonsense, you know. And the truth has been completely lost to a generation. People don't even know who we are, who we are supposed to be in Jesus, the authority that we're supposed to walk in. You know, Jesus said to us, the Father sent me, I am sending you. And he meant that literally, seriously. As the Father sent Jesus into the world to represent God and to bring the healing power of salvation, to bring the delivering power, the deliverance and the healing and the restitution, the reconciliation, all the elements of salvation were present in the life of Jesus. And Jesus was sent by the Father into the earth, into an earth that is dying into an earth that is wounded, into an earth that is suffering under the curse and is walking under deception and is walking under the, the bondages of Satan and is needing deliverance and healing. The Father sent Jesus to bring that healing and to bring that 
going to bring the kingdom. And now Jesus has sent us. The Lord has sent us. We who call upon his name, we were sent as he was sent. Most of us, though, don't even understand what that means. We weren't just sent to talk, people. We weren't just sent to um, proclaim the good news as an evangelist. These signs shall follow those who believe. Not those who give lip service. Not those who pretend that they're believers. Not those who belong to that church in Shinar. But those who truly believe. And, you know, the word for believe means to have faith, to entrust, to believe, to commit, to put your complete trust in. Pseudo in the Greek. These signs shall follow those that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. You're going to be able to deal with certain serpents without being harmed. And if you drink any poisons or breathe any chemtrail poisons or eat any poisoned food, poisoned water shall not hurt you. And you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen, friends, we have got to learn the keys to the kingdom. And we've got to get the word of truth and life in us to such a degree that our faith rises to the level that we believe. And that we believe such that these signs follow in our life because we are going to go into a time where people around us are going to be dying and they're going to need healing people around us are going to be dying spiritually and they need salvation people around you are going to be oppressed and completely in bondage to the devil and they are going to need deliverance and we are going to need to walk in the kind of power to bring the healing and the deliverance and I'm not talking about petitionary prayer. I'm not talking about when, you know, somebody's sick and they say, you know, well, would you pray for so-and-so? They need prayer. You go in your prayer closet and you, and you pray, you know, Father in heaven, please pray for, you know, sister so-and-so. You know, Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, please touch brother, you know, Billy, please touch Sister Sally. And there's nothing wrong with petitionary prayer. But that's not what Jesus is talking about in the Gospel of Mark when he says, These signs will follow them that believe. That's not what Jesus was talking about when he said to his disciples, As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Because when Jesus was here in his ministry. And the sick came to him and said, Lord, can you help me? He didn't pray, Father, please touch them. Father, if it be your will, please touch and heal them. No. 
He touched them. He commanded the healing. He took the authority. Jesus did not entertain what I call petitionary prayer when he was bringing healing and deliverance to the people. He used declaratory prayer. He took the authority. When you're casting a devil out of somebody, you don't pray, and Shannon, you can bear witness to this, you don't pray, Father God, please drive the devil out. Amen. No. You take the authority. That's right. You drive the devil out. You command it to be done. We've got the power through the name of Jesus. He said himself, in my name, they will cast out the devils. They will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. But not in a petition to his throne. By the appropriation of the authority of his name. And Brother Shannon, you know, when we, um, maybe a good time for us to take a break, and then I want to get into this issue of declaratory prayer compared to petitionary prayer and talking a little bit about walking in the power of the kingdom after the break because brothers and sisters we we need to embrace this this is your legacy this is the ministry of Jesus Christ that we are called to in this last day this is what the remnant are going to do it's what the Lord called us to do and each and every one of us if we believe Now, there are those that say they believe, but they don't really have faith. They've got too much unbelief in them. They've got very little of the word of truth. And they got a lifetime of lies. Because their whole life has been filled with the lies out of Babylon. Their their own family of origin perhaps spoke lies, doubt, unbelief, and death into them into their hearts from the littlest days maybe they had lies and doubt and unbelief spoken and then the world the schools spoke unbelief and death and then the media I mean everything in Babylon is is telling you spiritually to go ahead and die to not believe to doubt and to die I mean that's essentially the testimony of Babylon We doubt, and then we die. But that's not the testimony of Zion. No. In Zion, we believe. And because we believe, we live. Because he lives, we live. And because he's the king, and because his name has all power and authority, we can lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. We can cast out devils, and they will be driven out. Amen. We can take authority, brothers and sisters, and we're going into the final war. The final battle of a war that's been raging for 6,000 years. And it's time to gear up for battle, because that's what's coming is a battle. And if you don't stand, if you cannot stand in this hour, then you're not going to stand at all. There's not going to be any quivering or quaking. We are going to stand shoulder to shoulder. We're going to stand shield to shield, and we're going to take the kingdom, because that's our legacy as the sons and daughters of 
the Most High God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is His kingdom that's coming, and it is our job to bring it into this earth, into this time. Hallelujah. And you know what? It's God's will that we do it. And He's given us everything we need to do the job. Just like King David, when he was a young boy, he went up against Goliath, and the rest of the armies of Israel, they were cowering in fear because they had received a word of unbelief. They received a word of unbelief. And with the unbelief, they received fear. And the fear brought them torment and doubt, and it left them powerless against the enemies of God. And then a little boy came along who didn't have the spirit of fear. He had a spirit of love and peace, and of a sound mind. And he had the spirit of the God of Israel. And he had the word of God in his heart. And when he saw the giant, he said, Who is this giant who defies the armies of the living God of Israel? He saw the perspective of this battle. David wasn't fighting Goliath. David was a representative with the God of Israel, who is the God of the universe. And when we lay our hands on the sick, it's not our righteousness that's healing them. It's the stripes that were cut into the back of Jesus. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. It's the power of the name of Jesus. It's the authority of the blood of Jesus through which we will drive out the devil, through which we will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, through which we have the power to raise the dead. And it is God's will that you drive out the devil. And it is God's will that you heal the sick. And it's God's will that we bring the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ to a dying and desperate world. And in the judgment that's coming very soon, it's going to get real, and it's going to get intense, and it's going to come up close and personal. It's not going to be an Internet story where you can just click on that little X and make it go away. No, we're going to have to go to the cross, and we're going to have to appropriate the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to bring healing and salvation to the people around us, and they're going to desperately need it. Hallelujah. Brother Shannon, should we take a, a brief break and then. Amen. We'll take uh, about a five minute break and we'll be back. Are you being attacked, tormented, harassed, or hindered? If you answered yes, then it's time to get set free of your demons by the power of Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Contact us and a team of ministers will call you anywhere you live worldwide and cast out the demons in Jesus Christ's name. Send us an email to OmegaManRadio at Yahoo.com and include your name, address, phone number, and Skype address if you have one. And we will phone you inside 72 hours. Spread the word to where Jesus Christ sets the captives free. All right, let me welcome back uh, tonight's guest, Benjamin Baruch. His website is BenjaminBaruch.com. Benjamin, are you back with me? I'm back. Praise the Lord, brother. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you back on tonight. Uh, folks, this program is every Saturday night. It's called Searching the Scriptures with Benjamin Brook. 
And I want to thank everybody that's uh, out there right live right now in the chat room and that will catch this program later on the MP3s. You know, Benjamin, uh, we talked about the one scripture. The verse says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And anybody that looks up that word destroyed, I mean, that's pretty severe. That's just, I mean, it's gone, folks. It's not coming back. It's been totally obliterated. And and if you look at uh, what the word says about Satan, you know, he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. If you're killed, you're dead. You're not coming back. <laughs> not until the return of Jesus Christ, that is. And that's exactly what he's doing out there, Benjamin. We've got reports this week of people wanting to commit suicide, leaving suicide notes, people jumping off of balconies to their deaths. Right. He's out there stealing children, stealing our country. He's robbing us of our joy. And what are we doing? We sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm just waiting for the return of Jesus. Right. Yeah, we're, they'll say, I'm just trusting the Lord. I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord, brother. Well, you know, the Lord didn't say, go wait on me. He said, go take the kingdom. Amen. I mean, there is a time and a place to wait on God for direction in terms of personal decisions in your life. But if somebody next to you is dying, you don't wait on the Lord for you know whether you're supposed to reach out and touch them with the salvation of God. If somebody needs deliverance, we don't wait on the Lord and go, well, you know, should we, should we, you know, rebuke the devil, Lord? You know, we're going to wait on God. You know, just make sure He really wants us to cast these devils out. Let me tell you something. There's not a devil out there that Jesus Christ doesn't want defeated. Amen. That's the truth, folks. There are two kingdoms, and we are completely divided, and we are totally contrary one to another. And the kingdom of Jesus Christ is everywhere and at all times opposed to the kingdom of darkness. So you don't have to wait on God and go, hmm, you know, should we tear down these bars of iron that Satan has erected to enslave this group of people, this region, this, you know, this country? You don't have Benjamin, to wait on I, God and ask him, you know, do you, I can, Lord, should we come against the enemy? Amen. I can tell people firsthand that uh, we made a number of calls today, and we talked with one individual that requested some prayer. The demonic spirits manifested, Benjamin. We said, what's your assignment? We've been assigned to destroy, to kill her. Folks, that's exactly what they've been programmed to do, and they're doing it out there because... Men and women of God will not stand up and do what Jesus called them to do, and that's cast out devils in the name of Jesus. That's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to be bound up and tied up so much that we sit on the sidelines and we're totally ineffective for Jesus Christ. And then well, that's when the innocent he, perish. He's got, for, to a great extent, he's got this last day's church deceived, you know, because we don't understand our authority. We don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know the authority that's been given to us. We don't understand what we can accomplish in the kingdom. And we do not know the power of our own words. You know, the scripture tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
And those Amen. that like to talk will eat the fruit thereof. You like to talk a lot, like to hear yourself talk, you're going to get two things from talking. Number one, you're going to be judged by your own words. Number two, or justified. And number two, you are going to eat the fruit of the words that you speak. And we live in a time where men have no knowledge. You know, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13, My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. And the, their honorable men are famished. And the multitude of the people have died from thirst. The people have gone into captivity. And, and that word means exiled, stripped, naked, in shame and disgrace, being led into captivity, into slavery, into bondage. And it happened to ancient Israel in the natural. It has happened to the Christian church in the spirit. The people have been taken into captivity because they have no knowledge. They have no discernment. They're off in this church that we, we've learned is really a, a satanic deception. It's, I'm talking about Zechariah 5, which I think we did a couple weeks ago. And, you know, dear listeners, if you haven't heard the message on the church in Shinar, that was perhaps one of the best explanations I've ever heard of how this deception came into God's house. And the people have no discernment. They got swept away in this false anointing. They got swept away with these, you know, doctrines of devils. You know, and the, and the, the honorable men, the pastors, the leaders, the people that are lifted up into a position of leadership, they're dying of starvation. They, they're... The word for famished is hunger, extensive hunger to the point of death. They're dying of malnutrition. They've been eating junk. Their spirit man has literally starved to death. And the multitudes of people within these congregations are dying of thirst. They have no living water. They have no knowledge. They are unaware. They're, the word for knowledge is that you know, they lack any cunning, any awareness. They're ignorant. They're determined to know nothing. You know, I was on a, a different radio show the other night, and I made the statement, um, and some people didn't like it. Um, I made the statement, and um, I mean, let me apologize in advance because I'm going to say the same statement on this show. You know, I'm going to use the N word, only uh, it was the S word. You know, I said the American people, for the most part, are stupid. And, you know, some people gave me some feedback, you know, and I said, well, you know, Benjamin shouldn't be telling everyone that Americans are stupid. And, you know, I think that's probably true. That probably wasn't very nice. Um, and maybe it wasn't the right, the right word, so I do, I do repent and ask your forgiveness. Um, instead, what I'll tell you is the American people have no knowledge. The American people, the American church is ignorant, ignoramuses. Now I'm just quoting scripture, so you can't get mad at me. The Word of God does not say they're stupid. It just says these people have no knowledge. And as a result, they're going into captivity. They're going into bondage. If you won't call them stupid, I will. What do you call a nation that kills 60 million of its own kids? 
uh, I call it a, a reprobate uh, apostate disgrace. But you know, there what do you call a nation that exports the most pornography oh, worldwide than any other nation, Benjamin? I know it's horrible. America took what? the freedom and the prosperity we received from Jesus, and we we used it as an occasion to serve devils. What do you call a nation that throws the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom and puts homosexuals in our positions of leadership? Okay, stupid might work, actually. Let me ask you, what do you, what do you call a nation which calls itself the greatest nation that ever lived, yet worth the lowest of the ranking of all literacy in the world in terms of schools? Yeah, I know. What's happened? I know. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. We have turned from the truth to the great lie. And in so doing, we set in motion the judgment that is now coming to pass. You know, back when we when we decided to throw God's word and His law out of our public life, we set in motion the judgment that's coming. But you know what? In this final hour, God, who is so abundant in His mercy, is still calling His people to the truth, and He's calling a remnant to stand. You know, the remnant in this hour is going to stand. And we are going to lift up the name of Jesus, and we are going to lift up the word of God as a beacon, as a light, and as a strong tower. And everything else that can be shaken is going to be shaken to the ground. And the people are going to be looking for salvation, and the remnant is going to be lifting up the salvation, the good news of the kingdom. But we've got to know, we've got to be equipped, we've got to have the knowledge of how to do that. And the knowledge is in the Word of God. Amen. It's the Word of God. You know, the Scripture says that if any man will speak, let him speak as an oracle of the Lord. And the word oracle means an infallible expert, perfect witness. So if you're going to open your mouth and give your opinion, God says you should do so only when you can operate as an infallible witness of the proper word of God for that moment. And if you bring anything else, other than God's word, you are bringing darkness. If you're not bringing faith, you're bringing doubt. If you're not speaking life, you are bringing death. If you're not bringing salvation, you're bringing apostasy and deception. If you're not bringing words of light and truth, you're speaking confusion out of the land of Babylon. And you best actually... Be silent. And that includes Facebook, folks. Oh, my word. God have mercy. That's uh, It's out of the yeah, pits of hell. Yeah, well, it includes the chat room, too. And one of um, one of the people that was listening to um, the shows that we did um, that I know personally that's been, you know, listening in and been in the chat room called me up after one of the shows. And I don't see the chat room. I don't know anything about the chat room. But they told me, you know, that the chat room was chatting. And they got the impression that people weren't listening. And, you know, they were kind of upset about it. And I said, well, 
you know, the, they're the audience. And, you know, that scripture in Isaiah where the Lord said, go and tell these people, you know, hear yet do not understand. And, you know, listen, but don't perceive. And, and the word for the hearing was, it actually translates to the audience, you know. There's always going to be an audience of people that surround the messengers who brought the true word that really don't hear. You know, they're too busy talking amongst themselves. You know, they're not listening. They're too busy formulating their own thoughts and their own, you know, they're weighing, you know, they're judging with their knowledge of good and evil are the words that are being brought forth. You know, do they line up with my doctrine? You know, we can take all of our doctrines and throw them in the trash. Do the words line up with the living Rima word of God? And in the hour that's coming, that's going to be real obvious. Because the people who got the Rima word are going to have the real life in them. And the others are going to be famished, and they're going to be dried up, and they're going to perish. It says it's you'll going to be real easy to tell who it? the servants of the Most High God are. Amen. And who's not serving the Lord in the days that are coming quickly upon this nation. But let's talk about equipping the saints for the work of the kingdom. Let's talk Amen. about God's plan for his remnant. Because I'm not really called to deal with the uh, the other groups. I was called and sent to minister to the true seed of Israel, and to the remnant of my God, and that's why I'm here. And I, it doesn't bother me that if other people don't pay attention. I, that's not my business. I'm here for a specific group. I'm speaking to them and them only. And God wants to empower his remnant with the knowledge of how to operate in the power of the kingdom. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is part of that everlasting covenant, which I hope those of you that, that are called among the remnant have been studying diligently. And the reason why I've asked you to study the everlasting covenant um, is because of my own experience in trying to discern what the meaning of the everlasting covenant was as I looked closer and closer over the years and began to reflect further and further into the meaning of the Everlasting Covenant, it began to give me insight and understanding into the ways of the kingdom that I found to be very, very valuable. You know, for one thing, as you begin to perceive the Everlasting Covenant, it'll help you discern the true from the false. And, and it'll help you discern issues that are simply the hiss of the serpent and you can just dismiss them because you can test them how does this fit in the everlasting covenant and if it doesn't fit in the everlasting covenant you throw it out because the everlasting covenant is the central thing that God's doing it is from the beginning of eternity and it spans everything the Lord did in all of his righteous ways to the other end of eternity and everything he's done has been true according to his covenant. True according to his word. It's the Alpha and the Omega. And it is it's simply fantastic. And I don't believe, you know, I don't think for a moment that I understand all the attributes and the elements of the everlasting covenant. But, brothers and sisters, it's there. And it beckons us 
for the heartfelt meditation and for the serious study in Scripture to discern the true elements of the everlasting covenant. And part of the everlasting covenant is the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is more powerful than the words of men. Yeah. I mean, I've got words. You've got words. Every man that that has ever lived has had words. And as I shared tonight, you're going to be judged by those words and either vindicated or, or you're going to be judged by those words. And you're going to eat the fruit of your words. But the Lord's words are different than ours because God's words are alive. His very spirit is in his word. And, you know, God is one. We are told in the very beginning of the revelation that the Lord, you know, the, the, the proclamation to Israel, the Shema it's called, which means here in the Hebrew. Shema Israel Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. We don't have another God. we got one God, and that's the Lord. And the Lord is one. The Lord is Echad. He is one. And the Word is part of this Echad. Because we were told that Jesus Christ is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. So see, in the everlasting covenant, when you go back to the beginning, where the everlasting covenant began, you're going to find the Word. Oh, hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And I'm reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning, at the Alpha, was the Word, the Remo, the living Word, the Spirit-breathed Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And this Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. You know, in the book of Revelations, we're told that he, when He comes forth, one of the titles that it says on His robes of righteousness is the Word of God. So Jesus is the Word. When we speak the Word, we are speaking His power and His authority. And one of the keys to coming in this knowledge the knowledge that is not just an intellectual knowledge, but an experiential knowledge. Because there's a lot of people that have an intellectual knowledge of the Word of God, but they have no power. Well, they can argue doctrine all day long, but if you are sick and you need healing, they can't help you. If you've got a devil that's oppressing you and you need deliverance, they don't know what to do for you. Because all they have is the knowledge of the carnal mind. Their, the extent of the revelation that they have of the Word of God is limited to their knowledge of good and evil in their carnal mind, which they received from the fall. Because when man ate that fruit, 
sin entered into men, not because of the fruit, per se, but because in, in the fruit was the knowledge of both good and evil. And with the knowledge of evil came the knowledge of sin. And the knowledge of good and evil has saved no one. That's why the flesh profits nothing. But the knowledge of the kingdom doesn't come by the carnal mind. It comes by the spirit man, and it comes by the word of God. And by declaring and proclaiming the word of God. See, all of our lives we've been trained to proclaim the words of Babylon. Not the word of Zion. And many of us, you know, became convinced the words of Babylon were true. They're not true. Even if they appear to be true, they're built on a lie. Because if they contradict the word of God, they are not the truth. And you know, these words of Babylon are filled with doubt. They're filled with unbelief filled with death you know and sometimes we we can even are you know we can even fool ourselves that well I you know I'm just jesting brother you know I mean I think of um, you know you're fasting praying you know and, and and another brother calls you up and he says so are you hungry yet you know feeling hungry today brother <laughs> he knows you're fasting well, you know, is that the word of Zion? You know, is that the word the Lord would say? Is that a word that would you could say, well, that's that man speaking is an oracle? Or, you know, the or you you know the 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 sarcastic humor, you know, which the scripture calls coarse jesting, where you know you're speaking, you know, evil, but you're just joking, you know. Now, those are the words of Babylon. You know, it's all death. It's all unbelief. It's all doubt. But the words of Zion are full of life, and they're full of faith, and they're full of truth, because they are the very Word of God. You know, Jesus is our example. He is the Word of God, and when He came and walked among us and He ministered as a man, He used the Word of God as the authority and the source of power in His life. And when he was in the battle with the enemy, when he was confronted by Satan, he responded. When he was tested and tempted by Satan, he responded with the Word of God. Every time when he got in a dispute with the enemy, he used the Word of God. He did not reason. He did not argue. He quoted Scripture. He said, thus it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. You shall serve the Lord God and Him only. It is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so the Lord, as our example, showed us we are to use the Word of God as our sword. And we're to proclaim it. We are not to be proclaiming the words of Babylon, even if we intend to be jesting. You know, and I just want to for a moment digress on this whole issue of jesting, joking. You know, you guys, um, when you look at the words that the Lord brought forth in the Scripture, can anybody quote me the reference 
of where the Lord was joking? Anybody, can you give me a verse for, you know, God's jokes, you know, chapter 1, joke 1? I dare say the Lord has no jokes. Now, I didn't, I don't mean the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor. He does. And there are things that happen that are funny, and the Lord does laugh at times when it's righteous and it's appropriate and it's funny. But God's words are not jokes. The Lord was always serious. The enemy came and brought levity and jokes and, you know, I didn't really mean it, you know, I'm just kidding, you know, I'm just trying to deceive you a little, you know. No, the word of truth is serious and it means what it says. And we've got to learn to begin to proclaim and declare the word of truth. You know, unconsciously, many of us speak with unbelief and we don't even know it you know for example you'll hear time and again Christians say you won't believe this you won't believe what God did you won't believe this you won't believe the word you won't believe uh, I would say you probably ought to drop that from your vocabulary why are you declaring that no one's going to have faith why are you declaring that no one's going to believe I'm not going to declare that. I declare you will believe. Once you receive the word of truth, you're going to believe. And when you believe, you're going to receive. And it does matter what we're saying, because life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, some Christians will say, well, I'm only telling the facts, you know. I mean, I've certain friends, certain people that are close to me, they'll speak unbelief, they'll speak death, they'll speak doubt, and I'll correct them. I'll stop them right there. Hey, don't be speaking that death, you know. I don't want to hear the death. I don't want to hear the unbelief, and I don't want the doubt. So please stop speaking it. Oh, I'm only speaking the facts. No. You know, you, your belief system can be so corrupted by Babylon that you think death, doubt, unbelief are facts, you need to go back and re-examine your assumptions. Maybe we need to go back and look at the precedent of the Old Testament, how because of doubt and unbelief and um, a bad report, millions died. They did. And didn't enter into the promised land. Yeah, that we were just grasshoppers. The land is full of giants. Yes, it's a great land. Lots of milk and honey. Except the Lord forgot to warn us about the giants. And we're, we seem like grasshoppers before them. Yeah, except for one thing. God's going with you, and they're not giants before the Lord. They've already been appointed to the judgment. You're merely going to carry it out. You're there to foreclose. Land belongs to the Lord. He's taking it away from those that are wicked and giving it to the righteous. We're just there to foreclose. And it doesn't matter how big they are. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Amen. He had so, intended those giants to be for bread. <laughs> well, we're and, facing some giants today. Yeah, we got a, we got a giant beast rising up out of the sea. But the um, you know we got some giants that have never even been seen before on this planet. But they're going to fall. They're not going to stand. The, the only says, those who abide in the word of God are going to stand. But you know, in the time right. that's left, I want to get into this speaking the word of truth so that we could have the knowledge of the Holy One in us. Amen. Because 
if you think about it, brothers and sisters, most of us have gone through our lives being told by the world, by the educational system, by the entertainment, even by the church, and by other Christians, either un, who were unaware or who are ignorant of what they were doing, we were told to not believe. We were told that we wouldn't believe. We were told that you couldn't, you wouldn't, you shouldn't. The whole world has been speaking contrary to the Word of God, and it's embedded. We've heard it so much that for many of us it's become part of our unconscious belief system. And as a result, we doubt. Because we've seen through what we think was our experience, we think we've seen evidence that doubt is somehow truth. I'm here to tell you that doubt is not truth. Doubt is actually part of the lie. And doubt is part of the deception. Because doubt is contrary to the Word of God. And the Word of God alone is the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. And anything that doubts or denies or is anti-Christ is part of the deception of the serpent. It has nothing to do with the truth. But believers, I know several who are close to me, somehow have this all goofed up in their head that doubt is somehow a factual version of the truth as they have experienced it and perceived it. Now that needs to be cast out and replaced with the truth that is the real truth, the living truth, which is the Word of God. And part of the way, you know, part of the way we bring this living truth into our life is by putting off the carnal mind and putting on the mind of the Spirit by putting the Word of God into our mind. You know, the Scripture says that the Word of God is renewing to the mind. It brings renewal and refreshing and healing to your mind. So the more of the Word that you put in your heart and in your mind, the more truth you can recover into your soul. Because, you know, you've probably heard five billion words of doubt in your life, and then how many words of faith and hope and truth have you heard? You know, the average American, the average believer has heard a lot more doubt than faith. So we need to start turning that around. And one of the ways you turn that around is you turn off the voices of doubt and the voices of unbelief. You turn off that talking image of the beast and you turn on the word of God, the word of truth. To what we allow in our ear gate, in our eye gate. But in addition to what we put into our hearts through what we see, through what we hear, the most powerful medium for the Word of God entering into your soul and renewing your mind is through your own words. What you say. You see, the power of life and death in your life 
is in the word of your tongue. You know, it's not in what your neighbor says. You know, and I'll run into people and they'll say to me, you know, I met a neighbor recently. We were talking about the timing, and and my neighbor said, "We're all doomed. We're all going to die." I said, "No, I am not doomed, and I am not going to die." You can speak for yourself. If you want to speak doom and death as your destiny, it's a free country. You can choose that. But I'm not going to enter into agreement with you. And brothers and sisters, you need to listen to me very carefully here. Do not enter into agreement with words that are curses. If somebody says, you know, some word that is full of death and unbelief, don't nod your head and say yes just because you're trying to be polite when in fact what they've spoken is death. You are not to enter into agreement with words of death and words of unbelief. And I won't. And I'll get right into people's face and say, I'm sorry, I will not receive that word. I don't affirm that word. I don't agree with that word. And I'm not going to have that in my life. You can have it in yours. I'm not having it in mine. I'm going to have overcoming I'm going to have the overcoming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ thank you very much you choose your destiny I'm going to live in the destiny Jesus Christ has called me to and the essence there is the power of the words that you proclaim in your own life have tremendous impact I want to read a little bit from a book that Derek Prince wrote called The Power of Proclamation And if you guys have never had the blessing of studying under Derek Prince, his audio, his video, and, and the various books that he's wrote. You ought to look Derek Prince up on the Internet, and you ought to um, avail yourself of the tremendous blessings that are the work and the ministry of Derek Prince. One of the most powerful things he taught on was the power of proclaiming the Word of God. And I want to read a little bit from his book. Tremendous power is released through proclaiming the Word of God. Many Christians are not aware of this amazing potential that is available to them. Whether it be in a situation of their own personal need or an international crisis that needs to be resolved, learning how to proclaim the Word of God into a situation releases God's supernatural power which can utterly transform the circumstances. Every believer has the privilege and the responsibility to proclaim God's Word. You have the privilege. You have the responsibility. The Lord commanded you. If you're going to speak, you better proclaim the Word of God as an infallible oracle. Or don't speak at all. Throughout my years of ministry, whenever my wife Ruth was with me, I would always begin my messages by making proclamations together with her. God taught us to begin in this way. And we discovered that by proclaiming the word in faith, at the beginning of our meetings, it made a tremendous difference in the spiritual atmosphere in the meetings. What does it mean to proclaim? The word proclaim is a strong word. It comes from the Latin word, which means to shout forth. A word that is related to proclaim in the language of the New Testament is also to confess. And confession means to say the same as another. For us, 
as believers in the Bible, confession means that we say the same thing with our mouth that God has already said in his word. We are bearing testimony that his word is true. We make the words in our mouth agree with the word of God. And in that way, we line up our lives to receive the full backing and authority of Jesus. In Hebrews, we are told Jesus is the high priest of our confession. This is very important. If you have no confession, it means you have no high priest. Jesus is the high priest of what we confess. In other words, whatever we say with our mouth that the Bible says about us as believers in Jesus, then we have Jesus as high priest in heaven, releasing his authority and his blessing to bring to pass the word we have proclaimed. However, if we remain silent, in a certain sense we cut off his ministry to us as high priest. And if we make a wrong confession if we speak death and doubt and unbelief, we do even worse. We invite negative forces to surround us and we give them authority to move in our lives. Proclamation is confession that has been made aggressively. It's a word that speaks of spiritual warfare. It releases the authority of God's word into the situations of your life. There are countless situations that we need the power of God released into. Derek Prince's ministry became a ministry of proclamation. Brothers and sisters, that is the key to walking in the knowledge and the power of the ministry of Jesus Christ. We are told that the remnant overcame the devil, the dragon, and the world by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. It's your words and your testimony of the truth of God in your life along with the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that has the victory, the very victory to overcome all of this opposition. It's through your word and through your testimony. Our task is to proclaim the gospel, the true word of God in our lives, in every situation. Derek then gave the example of Moses and how he was called and, and he felt incapacitated. And God said to him, what do you have in your hand? Moses said a rod and the Lord said throw it to the ground it became alive and Moses was afraid and the Lord said grab it by the tail and he picked it up and it became a rod again and throughout Moses' ministry everything that God did in delivering the Israelites in parting of the Red Sea in bringing the water out of the rock in all of the miracles of the deliverance of Israel, they were all done through the rod that was in Moses' hand. Well, in the New Covenant, that rod is your word, the Bible, the word of God in your mouth. That is what is going to bring the miracle power of Jesus Christ into your life. 
That's what's going to cast out the devils. It's the rod of his authority. The rod in your hand is the word of God in your mouth. That's what's going to heal the sick. When you lay hands on them, it's because you've got the word of God in your mouth as a rod of power and authority. You are merely declaring what God has already said. You are decreeing that it be so in the circumstances in your life. Now others can decree doubt and unbelief. And they can let the devils of doubt and unbelief come in and steal the victory. Steal the deliverance. Steal the reward. But you are going to stand in the word of truth. And you're going to declare the word of deliverance and the word of healing. You're going to declare the word of God. You're not going to give room to doubt and unbelief. We're going to drive doubt and unbelief out. Doubt and unbelief have no place in our camp. They are not of the Lord, therefore they are trespassers. And I command them to leave even now. Doubt and unbelief, you are not of the Lord, and therefore we drive you out. We are going to walk in faith and in hope and in love. Because that is the essence of this covenant. And everything we do, we're going to do by the authority of the word of God. The scripture says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Do you realize that by the word of God, the entire universe was created? Brothers and sisters, that's how powerful this word is. That's how powerful this word is. It's because it was spirit-breathed. All the hosts of heaven were created by the breath of his mouth. This is Psalms 33, verse 6. You cannot speak without breathing. And as God spoke the living words that we have in the Scripture for our edification and for our healing and for our salvation... They are still the living words that are full of the Spirit of God. And when you take them on your lips and you breathe your breath into them, you are animating the same words that God spoke. And they've got His breath in them. And they emanate with the power of Almighty God across all of eternity. They cross time. In the beginning was the Word. And the word will be in the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. When we line up our word with our breath, in alignment with God's word, spoken through his breath, which is his spirit, we have come into alignment with all power of the universe. That's why the sick are healed. That's why the devils are cast out. That's why you can take these things... If you drink poison, it will not harm you. Because you have the power of the kingdom in operation. Because the word that's on your lips, the word that is in your breath, is the very word that brought through about the creation of all things. And through Christ, we can do all things. Through our own flesh, through the mind, the knowledge of good and evil, and through the carnal man, we can do nothing the flesh profits nothing we must do it through the spirit and what is the word of truth through the spirit it's the word of God 
Thus, we're going to learn to begin to line up our declarations with what God declares to be true. The Word creates. The Word of God maintains. And the Word of God judges all things. Second Peter chapter 3. By the Word of God, the heavens were made of old. And the earth, standing up out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word of God, are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. Paul tells us in Second Corinthians that the letter kills. The letter of the law kills. That's what's that's why our knowledge of good and evil, which we received from our genetic inheritance, from the fall of man, cannot bring life. That's why all of this nonsense of arguing all this garbage, one man's knowledge of good and evil to debate another man's knowledge of good and evil, and neither of them having any knowledge of the truth, both of them ever learning and never coming into any knowledge of the truth is utter futility. The letter kills. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The letter alone kills. Because the letter of the Word without the Spirit cannot bring life. It must be the Word and the Spirit together. And if it doesn't produce life, it produces death. We must have the Word of God together with the Rima, the Spirit of God. The Word of God is made alive in your life by your proclaiming it. By declaring it. By speaking it prayerfully. Now, I am not talking about the Word of Faith movement where, you know, you come up with some imaginary nonsense and you run around babbling foolishness and calling it the Word of God. I'm talking about proclaiming what God said in His Word about you. That the Lord already said, this is His will for you. It is God's will that if you believe in His name, that you can lay your hands on the sick and they'll be healed. These signs shall follow all of those that believe. You can claim that with faith. God intends you to have that. Satan is terrified that you're going to figure this out. So he's got everybody he can think of trying to convince you to doubt the Word of God and to not receive it and to not believe it and to not proclaim it. But I'm telling you, he's a liar. He's always lied. And the Word of God has always been true. You can proclaim the Word of God, which by faith you can apprehend God intended into your situation. You can proclaim it with boldness. And you can make up your mind that you believe it. And you can begin to operate in it. You know, the Lord says in Isaiah 66, 
On this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and the one who trembles at my word. You know, not all men have true faith. And not all men are believers. You have to honor the Lord in your heart. You have to have repented. And, and you have to be cleaning your vessel to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't be sitting at the table of demons. You can't be running around with that, you know, the little young thing evangelist girl, you know, and then really be doing the miracles of the Most High God. The miracles of the kingdom are reserved to those who are walking in holiness and whose lives have lined up with the Word of God. You can't be walking in willful sin and expect the power of the anointing to operate. But if you are repenting and you are pressing in and you're doing everything you know to do to seek the Lord, then you can proclaim the Word of God into your life. And you can through the Word of God, appropriate the authority of the kingdom. You know, we only have a few minutes left, and, um, you know, we, we can perhaps touch on a little more on this in, a, in another show, but, you know, one of the things I'd like to tell you guys, share with you a little bit about something that you can do to get the Word of God into your life is praying the Psalms. And this is something the Lord showed me to do, and... Um, years ago, and I, whenever I've done it, it's been just profoundly powerful. And by praying the Psalms, you can, you know, pick a Psalm, really any Psalm, you can do them all, start with Psalm 1. And you read the Psalm, and the way I do, the way I pray the Psalm is I read one verse, and then I pray that verse into my life and into the lives of the people that I'm interceding for. You know, for example, in Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, his word, does he meditate day and night. So I would pray that verse, something like this, I would say, Father, I pray that you would give me wisdom and knowledge and discernment that I would not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And Father, I reject the counsel of the ungodly. And I renounce the counsel of the ungodly. And if I have ever given voice to or agreement to the counsel of the ungodly, I repent and I renounce my words because I will have nothing to do with the counsel of the ungodly. And Lord, I repent of ever standing in the way of sinners. And I turn away from the way of sinners and lead me away from the way of sinners. Father, I will not sit in the seat of the scornful. And if I ever have, I will repent, Father. But Lord, I choose to delight in your law. And I delight in your word, Lord. And I pray that you would put your word in my heart. Cause me, Lord, to draw nigh unto you through the reading of your word. And let my, let my heart meditate on your word, Lord, day and night. I pray your Holy Spirit would bring your word to my remembrance. Even as I'm speaking, Lord, bring your word of truth. And, you know, Lord, give me the power to remember it and that I could study it diligently and, 
equip me with wisdom and knowledge and the and the expert skills of a craftsman to rightly handle your word of truth, Lord, that I might become like a tree planted by the rivers of water, the river of life. Lord, that I could bring forth fruit in, in the appropriate season unto your kingdom, Lord, fruit according to your righteousness, that my leaf would not wither. And, Lord, that whatsoever I do according to your word and according to your purposes would prosper, Lord. And I pray these things in my life and and into the lives of all my listeners here tonight. Brothers and sisters, you can pray the Psalms, you can pray the Word of God into your life, into the lives of your children, the lives of your family and your friends, and then, you know, set a watch over your mouth. If you see yourself doing coarse jesting, then repent. Stop. If you see yourself speaking doubt and death and unbelief, then don't. Do not speak a word of doubt or a word of death or a word of unbelief. Only speak that which is a word of truth. You know, let's let the Spirit guide you, guide you in your words. Because in your very words, you possess your souls. You can have whatever you believe. If you say in your heart and have the faith of a mustard seed, and you say in your heart to this mountain, of satanic opposition in your life. Be thou removed. And do not doubt, that mountain will be uprooted and it will be cast into the sea. We can receive. Amen. We can receive if we believe. And your faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So how does doubt come? Doubt comes by hearing the words of Babylon. So what do you think you need to do? Let's turn off the words of Babylon. Let's stop repeating them to our family and friends. And let's turn on the words of Zion. Let's bear witness and repeat the words of Zion. Declaring them to ourselves. Declaring them to our families. Declaring them to the whole world. Because those are the words that are going to last forever. Amen. Amen, brother. God bless you tonight, Benjamin, for coming on. Would you give out your contact information in the minute remaining? Well, I'm, I don't know that I've got any contact information. I do have a website, though, uh, BenjaminBaruch.com. Um, you know, and I would just ask uh, y'all, you know, please remember me in my prayer, in your prayers. It, it's been a rough week for me, um, but we're going to persevere. You know, I'm iron sharpens iron. We are going to overcome through the Lord who has loved us. You know, and when we're faithless, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. Amen. Brother Shannon, thanks God. for um, thanks for the opportunity to be with you tonight, and um, to, you know, to all of our listeners, receive what is good. You know, reject the rest. Test all things. Don't just receive it. Test everything we share in the Scripture. Test it by the Spirit. Receive that which is good. Leave the rest behind. God bless you, Benjamin. I'll see you next week, brother. All right. Shalom.